Kurt, please do a voiceover. I can't do it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the sports show here at Professionally Unqualified. I am your host for the day, James Shockley, and with me, a very special guest, Courtney Martinez. Courtney, how are you doing? I'm doing well, James. How are you today? I'm doing great, and today, well, it's because of the topic today, we're talking Women's World Cup. The Women's World Cup is it's going on right now. We wanted to do something before the World Cup, but we weren't able to get it together. Day of no games today, so we thought this would be a great opportunity to do a halfway pod, kind of review what went on in the group stages, and preview how the knockout rounds are going to go down. So, uh, I guess my first topic today is, Courtney, are you enjoying the Women's World Cup so far? Oh, but hey, that's the perfect question to start off with, and for the most part, I am. Um, I think there haven't been, like, too many surprises yet, um, so I would like some more of those as we head into the knockout stages, but as far as group stage goes, uh, I mean, I really enjoyed a lot of the games that were going on, um, obviously the 13 to nothing performance from USN opening their first game was incredible to see, uh, and just unbelievable, um, but I think, you know, the, Australia has looked really solid so far, Spain looked really good in their group, um, and of course you have, um, you know, Germany's looked pretty solid as well. They were the only other team that they gave up a goal. And there's just there, there have been some close games. But um, overall, I think they've been really good for, uh, for to start off this Women's World Cup. Yeah, it, it's been a lot of exciting games. I think there's only been one or two draws. I think there's only been one zero zero game or has there not been a zero zero game so there's goals it's exciting it's fun the teams are fun and there's a lot of goals because there's kind of a disparity between your top teams and your bottom teams there's a pretty big chasm in between those and we'll we'll get to that more in a little bit but uh yeah as far as the goals as far as the goals go, we actually did see a little bit of a decrease compared to the last Women's World Cup in 2015 in Canada. Um, I was just looking at some stats earlier, and, you know, uh, the 2011 World Cup, we saw 60 goals in the group stage. Uh, 2015, we saw 107 goals, so that was a big jump. Um, a little bit lower this time, 88, but still, that's uh, still an impressive number uh, of goals to see in this opening round. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I, I think this the overall skill of the tournament is getting better with more women's leagues, more active women's leagues. Argentina, I believe, announced during the tournament that they will have a pro league starting next year or two years from now. Right now, the uh, women's teams are affiliated with the big teams in Argentina, but it's at a very semi-pro amateur level. England's league, uh, the current... Yeah, the Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal the... Has had- a lot of good talent. And, and the current iteration of the uh, FA Super, I believe it's the Women's Super League is the name of that league. It got started around 2010, and now we're seeing the big teams in England. It, it took about a decade to really get rolling, but, you know, your Manchester City women. Manchester United finally got on board and got a team last year. Chelsea's women's. Arsenal women, all, all of these super clubs that we associate with the men's game have invested into the women's game, and, and it's showing off. It's showing uh, with not just England's team either. Uh, 
France's team, Germany's team, different teams like Nigeria and Jamaica have women playing in all of these leagues and, and the NWSL here domestically. So it's been fun to see the overall talent on an upward trajectory. And, and Courtney, I wanted to ask you about TV. Let's talk TV. Are you... So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the TV numbers. There have been some well-watched games this World Cup. The U.S. women's on regular Fox is breaking records. Incredible viewership. England-Scotland in England, I believe that game aired on BBC or Sky Sports. It was one of the most watched sporting events in a decade. Italy's women, who haven't made a World Cup in about 20 years, one of the most watched sporting events of the year was them playing Australia and then them playing Brazil. What do you think of the TV numbers as someone that works in TV? Well, um, here in Atlanta, unfortunately, it's on my TV station's big competitor. So um, oh. <laughs> I've kind of been dealing with that. Um, so I don't really know how much I can speak on, on the numbers that we're seeing here um, competitively and stuff. But, um, no, I think it's great that we've been seeing all these high numbers. And it just shows that the amount of interest that has really grown in this women's game Um and I, and I would have to, I, I didn't even think about prepping that, I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> um, so thanks for throwing me that curveball. I probably should have been prepared for it. But, um, I, I mean, again, it's just incredible to see the amount of growth that is, and the uh, and interest in the game. I think any time the, the U.S. women play, we're going to see those high ratings. But the game, some of the other games you mentioned, it's good to see Scotland pulling in some good numbers, England pulling in some good numbers. Um, yeah, it, the France-Nigeria game has some good numbers as well. It, it's good to um, see that these teams are b- well-received everywhere. It, it's, <laughs> it's going incredibly well. And we were talking about the leagues earlier, the different leagues, and one of the leagues that has helped uh, improve the women's game is NCAA soccer. There are so many college players and alumni that are playing in this tournament, we've even got, and not just the United States either. I'd say NCAA is huge for the United States, but we're seeing teams like Jamaica, teams like Argentina that have multiple girls that have played college soccer. What do you think of college soccer's impact on the on the Women's World Cup? I mean, that's, it's, this isn't something new. I mean, the last World Cup around too, because um, I was, I remember I was, I actually used to like write for NCAA.com and stuff, and I just remember, like, looking up some uh, Olympic stats the next year, because I was there for the Olympics, but, um, I mean, the ta- a lot of these other countries rely on the talent from college soccer, and I think that's just great to see, because it, 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 uh, that's another facet of the women's game that I think just continues to get more support, and I hope it does, and the U.S. has relied for years on this college talent. I mean, look at the people that have come out of North Carolina, or UCLA, or, um, the Cal program. I mean, that's just something that's always been ingrained in women's soccer here in the States, and it's just part of the sport that's that's growing to other countries as well. Absolutely, and as we as we see, I, I believe this tournament is looking at expanding to a couple more teams, so I think we could see more college players, and I, I'm not sure the rest of the world understands how important college sports are here, mm-hmm. even though we harp on it quite often. I believe we'll see more young women from other countries come play college soccer before going into their club professions where like a lot of players like England and France's team just develop there they kind of see it exactly they kind of see it like we 
in men's game, when guys play college soccer, we see that as a weakness. It, it, it's kind of odd, but we we see playing with your club youth team as being a stronger chance for development. And there are reasons for that. Like, you can play year-round. NCAA, you can't play year-round. Different things like that. But I think college soccer is a great opportunity for... I, I still think it's a good opportunity for the men's game, even if... Because not everyone's going to turn professional. And it's a great opportunity for other countries. I believe Thailand has a player that plays at Cal Berkeley. So that's one of the best programs uh, in college soccer. So I think, you know, just have one player. And, you know, we saw Thailand kind of get spanked. But we have one player on their team come over to college soccer. Hopefully that'll pull in more and uh, NCAA will be able to see the talent pool these different countries have. So do you think we could see other countries uh, become more willing to send girls to play in NCAA soccer? And we've seen a few, but do you think like the big ones like your France's, Italy's, and uh, England could see it as a valuable opportunity to grow their women's game? And those top-level countries, I don't see it as much, but so- but like you mentioned, the Thailands of the world or some of the African countries, um, I think those would be more likely to send their players here because they just don't have the support that they need from their federation. Right. Um, and I think that's going to be the big thing about it. That, I mean, that was the problem really with, you know, with Thailand. I mean, and even down in Argentina, the fact that they're just now getting a women's uh, professional league. But they, ha- they, they just, like a lot of these, the big names on the men's side just aren't, spending enough resources into the women's side. And I think that's why we're going to be seeing more women decide to take the opportunity to play college soccer here because that's going to be more of that development just because they're not getting the support on the federation side. And that's that's a whole that's a separate issue, too. I think that's something that we can like, go into more of when we talk about like just the, dispar- the discrepancy between like U.S. and, and Thailand. Yeah, and, and so yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about a couple of the negatives of this World Cup. I like that I don't recognize a lot of the players. It's kind of like the Olympics. It's kind of like uh, this is this is the pinnacle of this sport, and you're seeing a lot of people you don't recognize. But then you start to realize it's like, oh, this girl plays at in England or plays in Italy or plays in Argentina, but it's like. Boca Juniors or River Plate, one of the big Argentinian teams, you don't recognize them because their women's team isn't professional. Like, it's just not supported at all. Uh, so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, or you like one part of it. I kind of like the amateurism or the fresh faces, but at the same time, these girls are extremely talented, and I think there's viability in professional leagues. Yeah, no, you're exa- and you're exactly right on that. I think that it's, it's unfortunately it's just it's part of the game now, but uh, well, it's always been part of the game. Um, but hopefully, this, but hopefully, people seeing just how talented these women actually are will get them to support them more. Yeah, and uh, spe- speaking of support, it's been cool to see the stories around the. Uh, I guess the benefactor or the, the, yeah, the benefactors of some of these teams. So a lot of these teams, since they're not getting enough money from their federation, have, have wealthy individuals that kind of sponsor the team, kind of pay for the travel, support and fund every part of them. 
Jamaica's team is famously sponsored by one of Bob Marley's daughters. She runs just about everything. She arranges their travel, funds their uniforms, their fields, different things like that. The Thailand game against Chile, Thailand scored one goal, and you saw a woman in a white suit come out, hug the coaches. She was in tears, very happy. I cannot pronounce her name, so I'm not I'm not even going to try. But she... That's going to be me with most of the names in this tournament. Yeah. Uh, this, is why, this is why I write for them and not, like, actually talk about them for a living because I would just be butchering everybody's names. Too many pronunciation problems, but uh, this woman is a CEO of a major insurance company in Thailand, and not only does she sponsor the team, help fund them... But she employs a lot of the girls so they can have flexible schedules so they can work around practice times. And that's amazing that there are people out there that believe in this game and are supporting these girls. Oh, for sure. And I think that's, um, I mean, I wasn't even a that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just I, saw like, it. Like, I was paying attention during that, but uh, <laughs> I think. But I think you're, you're a little bit more, and I will say, more in tune with some of these, like, international federations and international uh, support and things um, than mm-hmm. probably I am. Um, but I think that's an incredible story to hear. Yeah, it, it's so cool seeing the, these stories are popping up. Uh, Andrew Doss at the New York Times, their soccer writer, has posted one of these stories. Grant Wall, I believe, was the one who wrote about uh, Bob Marley's daughter. Uh, supporting Jamaica. For everyone out there listening, definitely follow a couple of these soccer writers and you'll see tons of these you know, feel-good stories about just the conditions uh, these players have had to overcome to get to this moment. Uh, and I, I think we want to give a shout-out to a couple of players before we get to the U.S. We're going to get there. I, uh, let, let's talk about a couple of players we have enjoyed that do not play for the United States. Courtney, is there anyone that has stood out, any performance in particular that you've really enjoyed so far? Yeah, um, I just got to give a shout-out to Chile's goalkeeper. And learn, that game, like, listen. Absolutely. The U.S. won 3 to nothing, but that easily could have been a 6 to nothing, 7 to nothing game if it wasn't for the states that Endler made. And the fact that she gave up three goals and still won player of the match, I think that's all you need to know. Uh, She shut out Kristen Press. Kristen Press, I think, had three or four dead rights opportunities, and Inler was all over them. Oh, she stopped every single one of them that Press was sending her away. Yeah. Um, And I just, I mean, she just, she had some incredible, like, saves on the post, and uh, and it was just... um, it was such a dominant performance as far as she gave up three goals. I mean, that's just, it's still Russell Ryan, and I think people need to, if you, if you missed that game, just go look up her highlights from that. I hate that uh, she's no longer in the tournament, and we won't get her anymore, but um, I think Inler just, she has one of the most dominant performances from a goalkeeper, and really the goalkeepers in this tournament in general have just done really, really well. <laughs> I mean, Schultz for Germany didn't concede a goal at all in the group stage. Um, we haven't really seen much from the U.S. yet. Um, yeah, with, they haven't uh, had to work with, too hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Oliver, she had two um, saves against Sweden the other day, but she hasn't really been tested too much, so there's still a lot out. Uh, the jury's still out on her. Uh, but I think, I mean, goalkeepers in general just have had a really good World Cup so far, despite, you know, the 88 goals that were given up in the first, in the first, uh, in the first stage. Right. Um, 
Uh, I, I'm going to shout out a goalie as well. Correa from Argentina had a really solid game against England, even though they lost that game. And she gave up three goals against Scotland, but Argentina came back and tied that game 3-3. It didn't matter. Argentina and Scotland still both got eliminated. But Correa kept Argentina in that game to where they could come back and tie Scotland. If she hadn't have been there, England would have trounced Argentina. Um, she just played an incredibly solid game. A lot of fun goalkeeping so far. Yeah, and, I, and that's um, just to go back to the points of the negative earlier. I just I feel bad for these goalkeepers that are having to deal with, the, with these bar issues that keep coming up. Oh I mean, my goodness! And, yes. And the France Nigeria game, you had like France missed, but the Nigerian goalkeeper left her line early, according to VAR, so they got to retake it again, and that turned out to be a one to nothing game that changed that whole group. And then Scotland Argentina, that came down. Argentina. Ended up tying the game on a VAR penalty. On a VAR penalty, um, yeah. Uh, so, and that's just been, that was, just to go back to the negative conversations that have been on the flip side of these awesome goalkeeper performances, they've also had to deal with a lot of this bullshit from VAR. Yeah, I, I, so uh, for listeners out there, VAR, if you don't know, is short for Video Assistant Referee, V-A-R. That is the review but in this tournament for the first time i believe a goalkeeper stepping off their line during a penalty kick is now a reviewable offense so goalies while a penalty kick is being taken are not allowed to get off their line but the natural movement of the human body at some point before the ball is kicked it is more than likely that the goalie will step off their line and it has been a yellow cardable offense as well. So we've seen France get to take another penalty kick against Nigeria because Nigeria's goalie barely stepped off the line. And then was it Scotland's goalie barely stepped off of it? And then Argentina got to take the tying penalty kick. And it's ridiculous. It's so it's such a small thing. It shouldn't be reviewable, I don't think. Unless they obviously come off their line and you can see it. I don't care about two inches. And then getting a yellow card for it is ridiculous. The IFAB... I think they're changing that. Yes. The, I think they are changing that for the, for the rest of the tournament. The, I can't remember exactly what the change is. I think it's only a viable in shootouts. So in shootouts, that will not be a yellow card. Right. Uh, the IFAB put out a statement that they are retracting the yellow card portion of it. And the IFAB is the governing body of the referees... Uh, they determine a lot of the rules in football. VAR should be a good thing for soccer. I, having another eye, getting to review these plays, getting things right, we should be happy about. But yet, it, it's gotten so convoluted and ridiculous with stuff like this. Yeah, and with the women's... So, and the ridiculous thing to me for the women's game is... Um, I, I, don't, I don't hate the use of VAR. I think it's important that the women's game has it just as much as the men's game did. Um, and the women's players were fighting for this. Right. Rapino a, a few months ago was talking about why we needed this in the women's side because, I mean, if you look at the attention FIFA gives the men's side, it's, it's just ridiculous how much we get ignored on the women's side. But I think the ridiculous thing to me is it didn't get tested in anything. This is the first time we're seeing exactly. bars in the Women's, oh in, my in the women's World Cup. On the men's side, they had the Federation Cup. They had Gold Cup. They had 
had all these different federations, their summer tournaments, to test out this feature and see how the men could adapt to it. Right. The women, they only had this tournament to get used to it, and the rule change, a lot of these rule changes that they're having to deal with went into effect on June 1st, six days before the Women's World Cup started. That new goalkeeper line wasn't even an issue until June 1st, and now we're seeing it come into effect in so many of these group stages games. And it's going to happen again in the knockout or quarters or even into the semifinals. I see something is going to go wrong with this. Yeah, this should have absolutely been tested at the Under-20 World Cup or one of the Confederation tournaments. It's so silly that they use the Women's World Cup as the guinea pig for rule changes like this. Kind of a sour note, but let, let's let's feel a little better now, all right? Let's talk about the USA. We're killing it right now. Are we the bad guys? Are we Iceland in in Mighty Ducks 2? Are we Russia at the 1980 Olympics? Like, if I was from somewhere else, I think I would hate us. Um, I think I would too, but uh, <laughs> I think it's putting us in the same group as Russia. I'm just like, oh, wait a second, let's back this up a little bit. <laughs> so, and, and I just want to, no, no. Um, I, but people do see us as the villain, I think, and I think we're loving that, though. I mean, look at like, these celebrations. Everybody's like, we're being too showy. We're you know, not being respectful. Why are we celebrating like this? Because we have every right to celebrate like this. And you wouldn't be criticizing the men's team for celebrating if they were being this dominant. Yeah, it's, it's just simple facts on that. I wouldn't be criticizing the men's team because I would be speechless if we ever played. Oh, yeah. If we ever played this good, I would be shocked. <laughs> okay, let's let me rephrase it. If it is like, because our women's team is kind of like you know, like Germany's men's team or Spain's men's team when they were scoring all those goals ten years ago, like like we weren't criticizing them. Right. But people are saying that the women are too flashy about it. Um, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. It, I, I don't think the casual viewer realized either that we needed to run up the score because mm-hmm. to win this group, I mean, Sweden is a legitimate team. We beat them 2-0, but we were playing that like we were going to tie Sweden. Like, you've got to beat Chile, you've got to beat Thailand, we're better than them. Sweden is a toss-up. So when the tiebreakers goal differential, you know, goals for, minus goals against, it's nice to have that safety net going into the next round. And I I think that's what the casual viewer did not realize was it was kind of necessary to run up the score. Oh, it was it was completely necessary for those exact reasons that you said, especially when you have Sweden as the last game of the group. Right. Now, if Sweden would have been if Sweden would have been first game of the group or even the second game of the group then maybe you wouldn't have like needed to you wouldn't have to have relied on goal differential because then you would have had a better picture of everything exactly you would have had a a better picture of how many goals you actually need how many points you actually need but the fact that we went ahead and scored 13 in the first game if even if we would have tied sweden the goal differential would have been in our favor the entire time right and and man this goal differential i believe over the first three games, group stage, 18 goals for, zero goals against, a plus 18 goal differential is the record in the group stage for the women. Uh, incredible stuff. Three straight wins, zero losses. Good all around. Uh, but it's kind of hard because we totally switched out our team for the second game. Chile, we played our backups, who are incredible players and could start for pretty much any of the teams. Uh, 
So it's kind of hard to pick out some standout players, but do you have any standout players? Who have you enjoyed so far from the U.S.? Um, I would have to give a shout-out to Lindsay Horan. I mean, Absolutely. She, just, she has been, I think, the player of this World Cup for the women's team. Um, it's not just because she has, but because of the goals and the scoring chances she's creating. She's just, she's so quick back on defense, and I think that's something that the U.S. kind of, is, if there's a weakness, it's going to be kind of our defense and our um, and our goal can, and our goal keeping. But um, I think Lindsay has just been at the right place at the right time all over the pitch. She's creating scoring chances. She's cutting down uh, on any of these counters that some of these other teams are putting together. Um, and it's just it's incredible to me um, to see her perform. And it's and, and her story in general is just, I mean, she it goes back to our college soccer um, discussion earlier. She actually decided not to go to the, the college, and she went over to France to start off. Right, and she's got some play with with PSG's team there, um, so she's very comfortable playing in France. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and I mean she's played I, she's played internationally, whereas a lot of our players play in the U.S. and haven't seen a lot of these players. Lindsay Horan's played against a lot of them in the Women's Champions League and the French League as well. Uh, I remember last World Cup, she was I believe twenty one at the time of the last World Cup. Had been playing. Yeah, she's now. yeah, had been playing in France for a couple of years. Skipped college, and I remember there was discussions on should we take her to the last World Cup because we ended up not taking her. But our yeah. our forward line, as we remember, we still had Abby Wambach. We had so many talented forward players. Uh, was it Amy Rodriguez as well? Was on the last Women's World Cup team. I'm thinking of yeah. players that have kind of aged out and then oh Sydney LaRue who's pregnant right now so she was isn't with the team yet you had all these players our forwards and attacking midfielders were so stacked four years ago so it kind of made sense to not take the young player but Lindsey Horan now has dominated France came back started playing in NWSL was the MVP of NWSL in 2018 and is I mean, she's one of these stars in a team full of stars. She is a standout. She's gotten some great goals, too. Oh, that first goal. I remember I texted you, and I was like, Lindsay just scored. And you're like, she just started. And I, was <laughs> I like, hadn't even turned it on yet. yet. <laughs> I was like, well, she just scored in the third minute. And against Sweden, it was off of those set pieces, which, I mean, she's just incredible inside the box on those. I mean, granted, our whole U.S. team, we really have that strong identity with set pieces. But that was just an incredible goal from her to get it started against Sweden. Um, yeah. And, and I'm just so glad to see her, like, get these opportunities. And I think... She, again, she's just been our best player on the pitch. So Absolutely. Shout out to her. Uh, Rose Lavelle's been impressive. The Rose Lavelle was my pick. Was my pick to give I'll a shout out to. Explain why you have liked seeing her play. Well, she, so one, she's from Cincinnati, which is the Kentucky of Ohio. I'm gonna count that. <laughs> she, she's one of ours. All right. And Rose Lavelle, I had not seen Rose Lavelle play a lot. She was she was kind of new to me, but I heard before the tournament, different writers, Grant Wall specifically, gave her a shout-out. He's like, she's going to push the ball forward. Her and Lindsey Horan are going to shuttle everything to the forwards, and they're probably going to get goals as well. We're going all out on the attack. And 
Rose has been great. She's been creating for others. She's been creating for herself. She's gotten, does she have three goals now? Had a great failed assist to Megan Rapino in the last game against uh, Sweden. I mean, she's been all over. She's been great going forward. And that's what we want to see. We want to see goals. We want to see creativity. It's nice that we don't have to play bunker ball and beg for our lives. Um, but shout out to Rose Lavelle. And uh, one more, I I know you love her, I love her, we all love her, Julie Ertz, killing it, as always. I still call her JJ, I know she's very now, but I just, I love Julie Johnson so much. (laughs) She's incredible, player in uh, holding mid, player uh, in the back line as a center back, wherever, she gets it done, she tears it up. Plays de- we I feel like we haven't had to play a lot of defense, but she controls she controls the back line, and she's so solid, so dependable. She won the World Cup with us last time around, and I feel like she's about to get the brace. She's about to get another one. And I'm glad to see her kind of back more in her natural role in that back line. Uh huh. Don't get me wrong, I loved her in the midfield too, but since we do have, you know, Lavelle, Sam Mewis, some of these other players now who can fill in that um, attacking midfield a little bit more, it gives Julie a little bit more, like, um, time to get back, like, to be back in her position on the back line, but she still has all that room on the wing to really get involved in the attack as well. Right. It's just, we have just... So, uh, just a wealth of talent. Just so many talented girls. We, we played that game against Chile and pretty much played all backups. Our backups include Mallory Pugh, Carly Lloyd, and Kristen Press. Like, that ba- that front line is our backups. That's insane. Uh, it's so and nice. Mallory Pugh is a star. Like, I'm just, I'm so, she's the one player that, I mean, I, 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 again, I'm excited about the future of Lindsay. I'm excited about the future of Lavelle, but Matthew, uh, she's going to be a starter this next time, like full time starter this next tournament. And it's just she's just so explosive on the wing, and I I liked watching her play at UCLA. Um, and I'm not I'm not just you know she just she has everything going for her right now. Yeah, it's. It's great, and we'll we'll figure out more of these girls as the tournament goes along. I'm excited to see, I guess, how we manage our roster, because through the group stage, you've got to, there's just so many games, you've got to change people in and out, but we were able to change out the whole team, so everyone can be pretty well rested. I'm interested to see how we manage our team in the knockout rounds. Who we're resting, who's starters. Do we just start the starters every game, or do we have a game where Mal Pugh starts? Do we have a game where Carly Lloyd starts? Different things like that. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I think Carly's starting. It's just... Uh, right. It's, she, but, she, but she understands her role now as super sub. Uh, uh, super sub. A uh, super sub. Um... She's, I mean, that's what the Clemson, he did with the men's team a few years ago before he, you know, stopped playing. You know, he accepted that new role, and Carly's done the same very graciously. Um, and it, it doesn't matter how many, how much minute, how many minutes she gets on the pitch, she's going to make an impact. Absolutely. So whether that's a full 90 or whether that's just coming in on the 71st or 72nd minute and just playing for 18 minutes. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't it, matter to Carly. She knows her role on this team, and she's going to make the most of it. 
Absolutely, and I guess this is a good chance to transition to the knockout round. How do we see this tournament going? I'm looking at the bracket right now, and our half of the bracket is stacked. The two favorites for this tournament were France and the United States, and if France beats Brazil and we beat Spain, which I predict we both will, that's France-United States in the quarterfinals. That's so early. And in our bracket, too, Norway, Australia, England, Cameroon. I feel like all the good teams but Germany are on this half of the bracket. Are we worried? I mean, like you said, that's our side of the bracket. I just, I, it makes me really nervous. I was telling yeah, you that. Yeah, it's, like, it's nerve-wracking. So even if we get even if we get past France, then we have England to worry about. That Australia-Norway game, both those teams can be very dangerous against us. Especially Sam Kerr. We haven't given Sam Kerr... We haven't given Sam Kerr a shout-out for Australia. Debatably, the best women's player in the world right now. I don't think that's debatable. <laughs> Honestly, to me, she's number one in my eyes. I and mean, I'm surprised, again, that it's taken us this long for us to talk about it. And don't get me wrong, I love Alex Morgan. And I think she's, you know, could all, the case is also for her to be the number one player in the world right now. But it's Sam Kerr is just, she is just such a natural goal scorer. And Absolutely. Just, she, and she's the only... She's the big reason that Australia has made it to this point, and I think she's going to give Norway some fits. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm interested to see how Norway deals with her. She's the all-time leading scorer in NWSL in the United States, and she's the all-time leading scorer in the A-League in Australia. I mean, she just scores everywhere she go, goes, and I'm excited to see her get more goals. Uh, do you have... Maybe an underdog prediction. Do you see a team going further? Maybe Australia would be a decent underdog pick. It's hard in this because the favorites are so good. You know, your Germany's, your France, the on United States. Yeah, but do you, do you think an underdog of any sort has a chance? You- Honestly, I feel like people. A lot of people are counting out Netherlands, though. I know that right. on that other side, everybody's Germany's the favorite to win that other side of the bracket. But I mean, Netherlands, like they have like their top four scores hasn't even done that much this tournament yet, which like makes me a little worried for them. But also at the same time, it also makes me worried for their opponents. It's like, oh crap, we know that we didn't like play to our level in the group stage, so we're gonna have to bring it in this knockout. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Medima, Martins, uh, Van der Striden. I mean, that those that core of forwards for Netherlands is just going to make them so dangerous. And I would be worried if they get past, um, if they make it into the semis and Germany makes it into the semis, I would, that's going to be a game to watch. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, so you have Netherlands, and in the quarter quarterfinal they would meet Italy or China probably Italy and I'm Italy. Go- I yeah I'm gonna put Italy as my underdog to watch Italy hasn't even qualified for this tournament in like 20 25 years it's been an incredibly long time they were not picked to get out of their group because they had a tough group Australia and Brazil I mean Brazil hadn't lost a group stage game in 25 years and Australia has the best player in the world in Sam Kerr. And Italy won that group. That, that was kind of shocking. And I'm excited to see how far they can take it. I assume they will beat China, but that game against them in Netherlands, that'll show if Italy's the real deal or not in the quarterfinals. And if they can do that, 
Well, I mean, why not? Why can't they beat Germany? Well, they have, like, a pretty dominant striker. Uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, Christiane Gorelli, I want to say. And she okay. actually, I think, she scored about, like, three goals, I think, in the group day. So she's out there um, in the Golden Boot um, contention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I haven't honestly had as much chance to watch Italy this week, uh, these past two weeks, as I would have liked. Um, so I can't really speak too much on their chances of an underdog. But um, I was looking at, like, some stats earlier. Um, I think they had, like, a 10% chance, according to 538. That's of, better than um, I thought. <laughs> of, of, of making it to the semis. Okay. Um, I think was what I was reading. So um, I know that the, I have the odds written down for, like, the chance to win it. So U.S. right now has a 24% chance of winning the whole thing. That France seems low. percent chance. <laughs> Yeah, it does to me too. But um, I think it's just because their side of the bracket so stacked. Um, right. France has a nineteen percent chance that dropped a point uh, from the beginning of group stage. They had a twenty percent chance. Now they have a nineteen percent chance. Um, Germany has a fifteen percent chance, and England and Netherlands each have a nine percent chance of winning the uh, winning the World Cup. Okay. Um, so, but if you can make up the whole table on on five thirty eight. It's pretty interesting because they have it breaking down like the percentage of each team uh, making it past you know the knockout, the uh, quarters, the semis, etc. Mm-hmm. So I guess all that's left are some predictions. MVP, we will do Golden Boot for most goals, and we will do the winner. I'll go ahead and start. MVP and Golden Boot are going to be the same player, and it's going to be Alex Morgan. The U.S. is going to go so far in this tournament. If we didn't at least make the finals, it would be a shock. We're going to score a ton of goals. She already scored five goals against one team. That kind of pushed her out into the front of the pack. But a few people, Sam Kerr, I believe, is at four right now. But I don't see Australia getting I don't see Australia getting as far as the United States. Do you have an MVP and golden boot pick? Yeah, I mean Sam Kerr actually has five. She, oh she has five now. With okay. Alex Morgan. Yeah. She and um and Alex Morgan are tied right now for the golden boot. Um, and she's just—I mean, it's just incredible to see the, uh, her scoring potential there. So I think she can actually—it depends on how far Australia can go, but I think she would actually be my pick for Golden Boot. But it's just because the U.S. just has so much talent, while Australia just relies on Kerr for her scoring. Right. But I can see—I see Alex winning the MVP. Um, but I think Kerr can. They can maybe, steal the uh, golden boot if they get far enough. Yeah, I think she can. I think she can steal it. And again, it's just because there's just so much scoring talent on this U.S. team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my pick. Her would be my pick for golden boot. Yeah, we we can kind of split our goals amongst you know all 23 girls possibly. Maybe not the three goalies, but the other 20. I mean, we have Crystal Dunn playing left back, who is the MVP and the leading goal scorer in NWSL like two years ago. <laughs> we can get goals. That's been an adjustment for me. Seeing yeah, it's her been back weird playing more on that defense. Um, <laughs> but so, she's been but, good. But I understand the need. No, she did really well yeah. against uh, Sweden the other day. You know, stepping up in the absence of Ertz, who was um, nursing an injury last week. Yeah. So final, I the final pick. Who's gonna win this thing? Is there any answer but the United States? Obviously, the United States is my pick because I'm a patriot. And, and we're amazing. Courtney, do you think there's yeah, anyone I, else? That's my pick as well. I yeah. think the more interesting thing is going to be who are they going to beat. Right, <laughs> That's going right. to be the bigger question. 
Right. But I think it comes down to us and France, that quarterfinal game. If by some chance France beats us on the back of playing in front of their home crowd, and they're an incredibly talented team. They're probably the second most... They are definitely the second best team to us, talent-wise, in this tournament. But it's just... I don't... I, I can't fathom anyone beating this U.S. women's team. I can't either. And honestly, I think... Um, it's. I mean, Germany might have a good shot in the final. Because mm-hmm. um, they have probably the best goalkeeper in this tournament. Or one, or one of them. Um, but that- I just... I don't... I, th- I think it's going to be... I think the final four is going to be... Um, I'm going to go with Australia. Okay. I think they can get past England if they can tighten up their defense, and that's just going to be my dark horse for a semifinal. I think it's going to be Australia, USA, just so I can get my Kerr versus Morgan. Oh, that'd be so good. I would love that. And then I think Netherlands and Germany on the other side, and I think Germany gets it done. Okay. I think my final four will be England and the United States. And I will pick Italy and Germany in the other half. I, I believe in this Italy team. And I believe in this England team. They've been a lot of fun to watch. They kind of grinded out results, but they're getting it done. Um, and then I think the United States will beat Germany in the final. A classic. I feel like that's the final every single time. But these are two incredible women's teams. And they're like they're the teams we came to watch. This is kind of what it's been building to. I am excited to, I like, I, I just don't see any other final would just not be realistic. Germany's easily the best team in their half, and the United States, I think we're going to handle all of the talented teams on our half. Um, I agree, but, yeah. and I think it's, um, and, you know, and you know, I wouldn't be bad if Sweden made it the final, if we can get a little revenge uh, for, for losing the gold to them and the Olympics two mm-hmm. years ago, or three years ago. I wouldn't be opposed to that matchup either. <laughs> so, I guess before we go, we like to do a little little bit of a pop culture update, see what you've been consuming this week. Courtney, how's your week in pop culture been? What are you consuming right now? Um, actually, just finished that new Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Iglesias show on Netflix. It was actually really funny. I enjoyed it. I enjoy fluffy stand-up a lot. Um... It's on Netflix. It's about, um, he actually based the show on his high school out in Southern California. Um, and he's like a teacher of these, of these group of kids who have just always been overlooked their whole life. People think they're not small enough or that they're good enough. Um, and so he kind of like takes his class under his wing and, you know, becomes, um, encourages them to, uh, to do better than people think that they are. Um, it was like, it had a lot of heart to it. Um, and it, it touched on some, um, some pretty deep topics, um, on the surface level. I think it could have gone like a little bit more. It wasn't quite like one day at a time where they like talk about something on the surface level and then just take it back a layer and another layer and another layer. So I think that could be like some improvement if it gets another season, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a, I've never heard of that, but that sounds like a light, you know, something something to have on that's not too heavy. Don't gotta, it's not gonna depress me. Exactly. Uh, so my week in pop culture, I'm gonna give a shout out. I've already said his name like two or three times. Grant Wall, head soccer writer at Sports Illustrated. 
He did a mini-series podcast, I believe it's six episodes, called Throwback. I think they might make it into a series. Uh, really short episodes, too. They're only about 30 minutes, but Throwback is about the 91 Women's World Cup, the first Women's World Cup, and the build-up to that, all the things the women on that team had to go through to make this national team a reality. Because at the time... We, I mean, even if we had the best talent, we were not organized at all. It was an absolute disaster getting all of that together and building the legitimacy that the women on our team have today. Uh, so it's a really good look. They have got great interviews with everyone: Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Michelle Akers, everyone. They got the whole gang together. So absolutely, give that a listen if you got a chance. I have not had a chance to listen to that yet, but I love anything that Grant Wall does. I almost fangirled seeing him at the MLS Cup Final yeah. in December. We were in line together getting our buffet for our media meal, and we were talking <laughs> with some other people, and I wanted to go to him, but I didn't. Um, so, because I was like, he's there for work, I'm there for work, but I just, I love anything that Grant Wall publishes, um, whether it's his book or SI.com, um, their Planet Football stuff is really amazing. Um, so I will, again, fangirl over Grant Wall. <laughs> we all fangirl over Grant Wall. Uh, but that's it for us here today at Professionally Unqualified. Uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. We're on Spotify now. Give us a shout-out. Go check out our other episodes. And thank you for listening. See you next time. Um... I don't care about two inches. Boom, 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 bo